Welcome to One Mission, the podcast. Thank you again for joining us. I am Rick Lance, State Missionary for, with the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. And this is an opportunity for us today to hear from our convention president, Buddy Champion. Buddy has currently been the pastor of First Baptist Church Trustful for a number of years. He's been a pastor in First Baptist Decatur, Siloam Church in the Selman area. And he's an outstanding leader. He's proven that. You think about being president of the convention, which he's served now for more than a year in that capacity, presiding over any convention meeting, even the easiest one, is not altogether easy. And he did a remarkable job with that. So we have a leader among leaders for Alabama Baptists among us today, and we'll have an opportunity to hear from him. But let me first say, as an aside, with a little bit of humor, you've heard of Rick and Bubba. Today you have Rick and Buddy. So we begin that and just uh, simply getting to know our convention president better. Uh, Buddy, good morning. Good morning. Probably in there was a fat joke somewhere if we're Rick and Buddy, um, because I see your physique and I see mine. I'm I'm the Bubba of the group, I guess. I don't I don't, I know, don't so. know about that necessarily, and I'm not real sure we'd be as popular as they are. Not but at all. Nonetheless, and for for those of you who are listeners, this is an informal conversation that we're having. It's nothing formal about it, and so you'll detect that as we go on. Buddy, we've had several of these episodes, and previously we've had Dr. William McLaren, who's the interim president of the SBC Executive Committee. We've had Robert Smith, the, one of the premier preachers in my mind, and uh, Alabama Baptist Life, Southern Baptist Life. We kind of make adopt him and make him one of our own. And then we've had recently Dr. Paul Chitwood, who is currently the president of the International Mission Board. Well, today we want to talk to you as an Alabama Baptist and and also with a word of gratitude, let you know how much we appreciate you. And I, that that is meaningful. Everywhere I go and your name is mentioned, it is always mentioned with a sense of gratitude and praise. Mm. And I'll tell you, not everyone gets that. So you're one among few mm. be able to get that. Buddy, tell us a little bit about this more than a year now serving as president, maybe some surprises, some times of gratification, what it's meant to you, what you've seen, and what you foresee in days to come. I think as the presidency, in the presidency, you're allowed a lot of opportunity to see the different facets of the convention and the of the missionaries and their work. And um, I was thinking this morning, I was, I was driving down, really, I, I see my role as more of a servant support for what the we, I mean you know better than I do because you're a part of it every day we've got a great team of missionaries here in here in, in the facility but literally around the state as they go every day to serve in different areas and wow there's anything we can do as a in, in the servant role of a of the presidency it would be to enhance their work that they've been called to do. And no one knows their work better than they do because they're in the trenches every day. And whatever we can do to support their needs and support their uh, vision and things that they're seeing that needs to happen in the state convention, whether it's disaster relief or discipleship or whatever, um, maybe through my leadership, we could enhance that and help them do what they're what they're called to do. And um, I just think they, they do it with a great attitude. They serve with a great attitude. And um, it's just a privilege that 
First Baptist Trussell and Baptist churches all over the state can come together and make it happen yes. as we join our forces together, um, do far more together than we can individually. And um, it's, it's just a neat thing to see that um, unfold and see that take place, whether it's right now in Selma with the disasters right. that are going on there and um, all kind of seminars and opportunities and meetings and um, just a privilege to see that and witness all that come together. Yes, and buddy, thank you for that. We don't often get a lot of kudos because we're kind of behind the scenes. I, I, I had a sermon series years ago, if you allow me to reflect on it. The series was entitled Saints Behind the Scenes, mm. Unlikely mm. People Who Did un, Unlimited Things for God. And I have been amazed at some of the unsung heroes, not only in church life, in convention life, often are the, those who we might use in military terms, do the grunt work. Mm -hmm. They're never necessarily going to be on the platform, but the, what happens on the platform, they've helped make happen. Mm -hmm. They're always going to be supportive. And every now and then at opportune times, and we can say thank you, just like you did, mm -hmm. that means the world to them. And I'm, I know our state missionaries will be listening to this and they'll take very much uh, homage to that. They'll recognize that you've done that with a yeah. heartfelt. And I found, I found in my ministry, Dr. Lance, that the hard work is often done behind the scenes. Absolutely. The stage and the platform, that's, that's I won't say it's easy, but nor it's important as well. But the, the grunt work, as you mentioned, the hard work, the difficult decisions, the that happens often where no one ever knows. And if missionaries, and they are behind the scenes, you know they're doing the hard work. They're helping right. churches that are struggling. They're helping right. pastors that are hurting and feel like throwing in the towel. And they're um, encouraging people all across the state in areas that no one ever knows. Right. And um, it's a privilege to be a part of that. Well, while we're talking about the presidency, I might mention to our listeners, not everyone knows this, and not not all Alabama Baptists for certain, and not all uh, the decision makers sometimes know this, but the way we're set up in our Alabama Baptist State Convention work, the president of the convention is not a, a functionary person who just presides over the convention. It's a working position. He is automatically the chair of the executive committee of the State Board of Missions, and that's where a lot of the action happens. Things begin there. And in one respect, I would have to say, from my standpoint as my executive leadership, point of view, I have to work, I need to work and should work, and I'm delighted to work with all the board members, but the executive committee is a smaller steering committee, and as chair of that, uh, that's almost like being chairman of the deacons and chairman of the personnel and chairman of the finance, mm -hmm. all rolled into one in a local church. There's only one other state convention that's like that, and we're not modeled after the SBC in this regard. The SBC president is not He's a member of the executive committee, but he's not the chair. Mm. Uh, so therefore, proportionately, the president of the convention is far more influential on Baptist, called Alabama Baptist, and in proportionality than the SBC president is because of the function of the chair of the executive committee, where a lot of this grunt work we're talking about takes place in convention life. So. You've done that remarkably well. I've been in your chair before eons ago, and I recognize there's a lot of 
heavy uh, weight sometimes that has to be lifted, but you're a big, strong guy. Buddy, tell us about your family, if you will, and especially bring us up to date. Those of us have been really praying for Grace. Give us an update on how she's doing as well as tell about the rest of the family. Yeah, Lynn and I, my wife, we grew up at Lakeside Baptist Church, and my mom was a pianist there, so I grew up on the piano bench and was part of uh, Lakeside all my life. And uh, my my mentors, my examples were Earl Tew, and, and then, of course, Mike McLemore after right. that, and Ray Wood a little bit as well. And um, so as I look back on that journey, I think, wow, that's some good it is. men to watch um, in the pastorate, and they— both had did a wonderful job, or all three did a wonderful job in their tenures at Lakeside. And we met at Lakeside and went to Southwestern Seminary. And after we got married and came back to Shiloh, and then yes. First Baptist uh, Decatur, and now in First Baptist Trussell. So we, fortunately, and kind of unreal, that we've bounced around Alabama all these years. And mm. uh, we have three daughters. Uh, Macy is our oldest. She um, works at UAB Hospital, and her husband yeah. is a coach. Yeah. And a teacher, and um, they love the journey they're on right now. And another daughter is Daly, and her husband's a pharmacist down in Mobile, and they live in Fairhope, and she's a therapist down there. And uh, then Grace is the one that's been on this 11-year journey now of an undiagnosed condition that uh, we really can't determine what it is. It's some kind of inflammation in her cerebellum, and uh, that causes balance and tremors and that difficulties there. And it comes and goes. They find medicines that help for a little while, and then the medicine's effectiveness goes away. And then some medicines you can't stay on forever because of right. the negative impact of that. So we're still on that roller coaster. Um, and we go to Mayo Clinic often trying to uh, discover what else can be done. But it's just an undiagnosed condition that they've not seen before. And the inflammation they can't identify even with biopsies. And um, so it's just um, one of those unreal deals that you find yourself on. But, you know, sometimes you see her and she's looking great and sometimes she's not looking so good. It just depends on whether we're on the high of the roller coaster or the low. So, right. Well, um, you tell her, especially after the meetings we have going on today and tomorrow, You, when you get back home, tell her that we are continuing to pray for yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we also have a fourth daughter, um, uh, yes, a niece that came to live That's with right. us that is now number four. So I have a house full of girls. Well, uh, you have a dormitory. <laughs> yeah. Girls They're dormitory. growing up, though. Well, that, that's good. And it's always good to see children launch well and yeah. do well and sound like yours are doing remarkably well. And tell us a little bit about First Baptist Trustful. It's one of our premier churches, if you don't know much about listeners, if you don't know much about Trustful. Uh, the city of Birmingham has expanded in diff different directions. South is uh, one that's certainly been a direction of growth. And now demographically, it's grown east and northeast. So it's uh, certainly encompassed and even gone beyond trustful. So you've been there more than 15 years, right? Right. And right. tell us a little bit about the, the journey there. It's It's been a, a good place, but really it's it's a good place that I, in a sense, had nothing to do with. Um, Serving at Shiloh down in Selma Association, or that's that's a, it's got its own demographic and its own unique specialness. Decatur is a whole different realm, and Trustful is that suburban outside of Birmingham neighborhoods right. everywhere. Um, it's a good city, but. 
you know, there I had an opportunity or have an opportunity to follow Richard Francis, yeah. Dewey Quarter, Gary Hollingsworth. Right. Great pastors and leaders. And so they've, they've you know, as Andy Westmoreland used to say, they planted trees that I enjoy the shade of, right. you know, and they, yeah. they've done such a wonderful job leading up to my coming that I just try not to mess it up, you know, just yeah. try to keep, keep the baton running. And, um, but it's, it's been a good journey that the culture of that church is one of reaching people, reaching, they, they have a passion and I don't know for how many years, but it's a real passion to reach the next generation, the mm -hmm. children, the students. So right. They're always willing to invest uh, resources in that, whether it's building or budgets or energy or whatever. They're excited about that. But we're we're a church. We're not a young church. We're not an old church. We're, um, I say, healthy numerically um, right. across the board. Yeah. Strong senior adult presence, bed babies everywhere. You know, right. So it, it's kind of a neat as a pastor trying to lead those just different generations, kind of a challenge. Um, right, that's true. But as far as the strength that that brings to the table is pretty fun, um, mm -hmm. that there you've got all kind of different backgrounds. And even in the the demographics of who we are as a community now, there's those that have lived there when there was one one red light in Trussell years mm -hmm. ago. I remember that. And um, then where they are today and some rarely leave trustful and some travel around the world every week, you know, so it's right. just a, a, a different demographic, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you've just described having served in a rural area, essentially, mm -hmm. having served in a county seat town and now in a mm -hmm. solid suburban church, which is, as I say, one of our premier churches. And I might add, uh, to personalize it a bit, and as a host, you have to be careful about doing that. I've, I've known or I know all three of those predecessors you mentioned. Mm, yeah. Richard Francis was a uh, about a third cousin by marriage oh. and knew him well. He was the one who witnessed to me and led me to the Lord. Wow. And we go way back. We went way back. And I was uh, had part of his funeral in 1988. Oh, I remember yeah. that real well. Yeah. Dewey Quarter, uh, I kind of helped recommend him there at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Dewey did a good job. He's highly relational, as you well know, and mm -hmm. you are too, it's packaged a little bit differently. But Dewey served well and served continued up to his death by means of COVID mm -hmm. at a church that grew rather significantly, uh, yeah. mainly by senior adults right. in that area. Yeah. And then Gary Hollingsworth has been a friend for a long time. Gary. Served with the North American Mission Board. He's uh, been at first. He's been at Emmanuel Church in Little Rock, which is a significant, significant church. And then, again, I was instrumental in recommending him to the South Carolina <clears throat> Convention position of my counterpart there. And he is uh, one that I cherish as a friend. So you've had three outstanding Absolutely. predecessors, and yeah. you're doing a, a very fine job too. Tell us about the staff. How, what kind of staff do you have? Oh, we're all knuckleheads in a way, um, but we're all uh, struggling and working, uh, trying to stay on the same team. Um, staff, for me, I think it was George Bush that said, I don't have to be smart. I just got to have smart people around me. That, that's and, right. Um, He's not the first that said that. Yeah, he said it. Yeah. Um, which works, by the way. Yes, it um, does. The staff there, they are incredible in their area, field of service if I could use that terminology, um, whether it's preschool or children or middle school or high school. 
we got some outstanding leaders on the staff. And, you know, I'm 60, uh, turned 60 not long ago, which to me sounds incredibly old. Well, you don't look uh, <laughs> But I find myself watching the middle school ministry or right. watching the high school ministry. Some of the crazy things they come up with that sure. I think that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it works. Sure. I mean, they'll have ch- kids show up out of the woodwork. You know, it's just amazing. So I find myself having to really trust the staff, and I do, in some of their unusual approaches to reaching children or middle schoolers or high schoolers or whatever. I'm like, well, I would have never tried that. But then you have, you know, 25 kids come to Christ, and you think, well, who uh, am I to, amen. you know, who am I to critique that or whatever? So they're they're a great staff and do a do a wonderful job. And for us. Not only do you need people smarter than you in their areas of service around you, but the team aspect is very important for us. Yeah. Um, we eat lunch every week together, and it's kind of a mandatory time that we spend not talking about work. We just right. talk about life. And um, so we really work hard on developing a team and having a team that's a true team. That, that mm-hmm. I'm one of the many members and um then we try to keep those relationships strong that we're really friends. And I love it when they hang out with each other and go out to each other with their families on Friday night or whatever because they just like each other. And that doesn't always come easy, but we really worked um, trying to um, make sure we are what we would think of or imagine a true team that really cares for each other and likes each other. And um, so they do they do a great job. And that translates because of that kind of arrangement and that kind of camaraderie and synergy just lends itself to have a healthy church. Healthy leaders and healthy churches go together. If you have unhealthy leaders, you can't expect to have a healthy church. So therefore, if you've got the right kind of team, even a slightly unhealthy church or even profoundly unhealthy in time can become healthy. Right. So it's just it's, right. it's a process. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, as we look to, if we could look under the hood a little bit in your life, and could you give us one or two lessons that you have learned in ministry that you think were really turning points? Lessons and of experiences that were just really turning points. I'm not talking about textbook mm-hmm. lessons. I'm talking about life lessons mm-hmm. that really made a difference. I think in the ministry, one of the things I've learned, um, I, I need to need to have vision. I need to understand where God wants the church to go, not as Buddy Baptist Church, but as here's the people that God wants me to shepherd. And where does God want? Because this church existed before I got there, and it's oh, going to yeah. exist when I leave. And that little 78-year-old lady has been there for 50 years. I don't want to come in as a pastor and totally disjoint her gen- journey with Christ with whatever change that may be. I don't like change a lot. I like transitions. So I really trust God to help me to, to lead in such a way that he or she or I, I don't have, a, I don't have an agenda. I just want to follow, God, where do you want this church to go during my tenure? And it's your church, and I'm just shepherd of it for this season. So... Where can I servantly lead that place? So um, that's that's I kind of had to get me out of the way and my what I liked and what I want, and because it really doesn't matter. It's where does God want His church to go? And I've I've discovered I don't have to have all the answers, um, but those pews in any church, I, I feel um, 
there's some great people in those pews that want to help their pastor. Salty. Last yes. night, I had a meeting that I was, I mean, I stuck. A difficult situation in the church and didn't know how to manage it and walk through it. So I bring some men around saying, what do I do? And they're so willing to invest and help and guide. And so that in my life lessons, I don't have to have the answers. I've just got to trust people to help me. And they so want to help their pastor right. and their church and the cause of Christ. And um, so I've just learned that if I can surround myself with great men and women of the faith that are full of wisdom and grace and um, together we can see God do some cool things. Well, that's well stated. And just an observation right off the top of my head, that's strong leadership, but in a soft and subtle way. What you're doing then is not just making it a—you're not singing a solo. You've got at least an ensemble singing along right. with you. Now, that's right. very good. You made a statement that I think is very important. Uh, when people talk about change, uh, they're, they're okay with it if they think the change is for somebody else to do and not themselves. So change can be a negative experience. And your idea of transitions, that's that's very good. Uh, I think the best change, unless you're in an emergency, the best change is incremental change, which brings those transitions. Mm -hmm. And you look back and it's hardly new that you had a change happen. It just incrementally, you brought people along and it really made a big difference. Well, one other thing I'd like for you to do for our listeners, uh, would you offer an encouraging word for ministers and lay people today in this chaotic environment in which we live, just uh, from the bottom of your heart? What would you say to them? Yeah. It it seems like yesterday I was a young gun. You know, I was one of the young guys. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're 60 or you're 55 or you're, you know, you you wonder about retirement. Will I will I ever get there? And what does that look like? And right. it happens so fast. And yeah. um, the journey that we've been on is so fast. And um, yet, during that course of the journey, you get so tired sometimes, oh, sure. and and you get yeah. so exhausted of of the ministry and the demands and being a dad or a mom or whatever. And um, wow, don't. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Um, don't get so tired you make poor decisions mm-hmm. and that they're going to hurt your ministry. And um, it, it's worth it. Uh, to, as I look at at sixty, I think, man, I, I just want to finish well. I, I don't want all that God's done in the last thirty something years as I've been a pastor. I don't want to mess that up for the cause of Christ. For for his, his he doesn't need me for his reputation, but I sure don't want to hurt that. That's right. That um, That's right. I just want to finish well, and it just happened so fast that now I'm worried about finishing as opposed to starting, and that transition was so quick. Yeah, somewhere in the continuum of beginning well and finishing well, we have this continuing well. Right. And that's what you're talking about doing, continuing well so that you can finish well. Mm-hmm. That is very well stated. Well, dear people, we have had an enjoyable time of discussion and conversation with our convention president, Buddy Champion, a dear friend, a very loyal servant of the Lord, and certainly someone who's endeared himself so much to Alabama Baptist. And today, uniquely, 
we've had our own version of Rick and Bubba, so it's Rick and Buddy. And it has been a, a joy to have the convention president, Buddy, to be with us. And he is a, a very approachable, amicable individual and an outstanding leader. This time has been well spent. Thank you again for listening, and we'll look forward to the next time we gather for One Mission, the podcast. <laughs>